Hey, we start a series today called um, The Church I See, and over the next four weeks, uh, between me and Trinity, we're, gonna, we're going to hopefully show you uh, the kind of church that we see here at Revive based on what we believe Scripture tells us about what the church should be, and, and so that you understand why we do what we do, and where we're going, and what we're going to do, and all those sorts of things, and and today's message is just kind of like laying a foundation for you. Uh, there may not be anything in this message where you're like, wow, that blows my brain. It's just, a, it's a stick with us for the four weeks, yeah? Don't come this week and then come on the fourth week and then wonder what went on in the two weeks in between. You have yourself in the room. Remember, I said this last week, you can't get a revelation that's in the room if you're not in the room, right? So it's important to, to be in the room. But we're going to crack straight into it this morning with Mark chapter 8, verse 34, one of the most... Well, probably your favorite, one of your most favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. Then he called to him, called the crowd to him, this is Jesus, along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me or if anybody would follow me or if anyone would want to be my disciple, he must what? Deny himself and... and how many people feel blessed this morning? First scripture, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. You've got to understand that in the ancient world, which is Jesus is part of, is what they would actually do is they would actually, if, if somebody was going to be crucified, they would get the guy to carry the cross. Oh, first of all, he had to make the cross himself. Can you imagine that? You, you realize what's about to happen. You have to, you have to build your own um, death equipment for you to carry around. And then they would make him carry it around in the community, step by step through the whole entire community, as much of the streets as possible, so that everyone would see him. <coughs> Pardon me. Thank you. So that everyone would see him, everyone would laugh at him, everyone would spit on him, and he would have to walk through the community like that. that that's what it meant by picking up your cross was that you became someone that people mocked, someone that people laughed. I think there's something interesting about the ability to carry a cross because if you're walking around carrying a cross, there are certain areas in society which you can't really get into, right? Can you imagine rocking up to a nightclub and going, hey, bro, can I come in? Uh, what's that on your back? It's a cross. Yeah, sorry, bro. Crosses don't come in here. You see, Jesus never designed us to carry a cross for it to be a torture equipment. He designed us to carry a cross to save us from entering into the wrong areas and the wrong situations and the wrong environments in life because the cross stops you from going into the wrong places. Their world intended it to be a, a thing of torture, but God intended it to be a thing that brings you freedom. And in this verse here, Jesus is asking us to do the same thing as what they used to ask people to do in the ancient world. He's asking us to deny ourselves and to take his cross into our community, yeah? And to take Christ into the community, to take Christ into your workplace, to take Christ into our homes, to take Christ into our boardrooms, to take Christ into our offices, to take Christ on our dates, to have Christ in our living room when we're watching TV, have Christ in our car when we're listening to different music and songs, have Christ when we're everywhere that we go, that we are taking Christ with us. Why? Because God 
hasn't called us to be partial, devoted followers. He's asked us to become complete, totally committed followers. He's asking us to step up. He's also asking us to sacrifice a lot. But he's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done already. And in the early church, the first church that existed in the book of Acts, they decided that they were going to become devoted followers of Christ, that they were going to be obedient to his teachings, and even when it was uncomfortable, even when they didn't like it, they were going to follow what he said, even when they didn't agree with it, they were going to follow what he said, wherever they went, whatever he asked them to do, and the crazy thing about the early church, and we're going to see this in a, in a scripture in a minute, is that in them doing that, God came alive in such a way in their lives that the early church was just phenomenal. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, it says that they divided themselves to the apostles' teaching. Everyone was filled with awe. That means they're like, And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and everyone was filled with awe. I, I love that piece of the scripture because, that piece of the verse, because it was like, it wasn't just the first 30 people in the first couple of rows. I'm sorry if you sit past the first couple of rows. Um, if this offends you this morning, that's okay, you'll get over it. But so often, you know, we joke about it as pastors when we get together. How's your church going? Well, man, we're having revival. The first, first five rows in our church lift their hands and worship now. <laughs> you can tell that's upset some of you because it's all gone quiet. But they were all in. No one was watching. No one was spectating. No one was a consumer. Everyone was a contributor. Everyone was a contributor, and it wasn't just a few, it was everyone. And it means that as they walked into the room or as they walked into the place where they were assembling, they, were, they had a sense of awe, a sense of expectation that God was moving, that He was going to change lives, and that He was going to change individuals' lives, and that God was doing something significant. And there was an expectation when they walked through the doors that God was going to do the miraculous and God was going to do signs and wonders. And because of that, because of that, because of that devotion, because of that expectation, because of that belief that God was going to, because of them coming together, because they were unified, and because of that, the Bible says that many signs and wonders were done by the apostles and all the believers were together. They had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone that was in need. And if they had property or something like that, and they noticed that somebody needed it, they would sell it and give the money to them. And they were having just incredible breakout of the Spirit of God. And why did they do all of this? 
Why did they make this massive sacrifices that they were made? Why did they, why did they do all of that? I'll tell you why. Because they loved one another and they loved people that were in their community, people that were in their families, because they cared for them. And every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They went once, once every three weeks. You know what the sad statistic is in the, in the church world? Is that they now say that regular attendance in church is once every four weeks, 25% of, of Sundays in church. Oh, I tell you, that's not, that's, that's not regular attendance. That's token attendance. They were like, man, once a week? No, 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 every day. Every day we're going to come together. Every day we're going to break bread in our homes and we're going to eat with sincere hearts. And the power of the verse that comes after all of that is that the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. In other words, this was a church that never slept. It was a church that never shut down. It was a church that never took a break. It was a church that was continuously moving with God. People were coming to Christ every single day, and the Spirit of God went through this church and went beyond uh, a partial commitment, and they went beyond their own comfortable lifestyle, and they did, and, and the way they did life, and they said, God, you know what? You can use us anyhow, anywhere, anyway. We will do whatever it is that you've asked us to do, and we see in Acts chapter 2 that God used this church to be a change agent, not just for the community, but for the entire world. How amazing is that? So what kind of church do we see here at Revive? Because I, I don't know about you, but I read that. That's, that's a lot to live up to, yeah? I'm not even sure I can live up to that. But I can tell you what we can do. The first thing that we're going to do is we're going to be, we're going to have a vision for a church where everyone is welcome. Revive is a church where everybody is welcome. Revelation 22 verse 17 says this, the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride, the bride being the church, say, come. And, he, and let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I want you to know if it, if you're here and if you've been here a long time or if it's your first time here, I want you to understand something. I want you to know that you are welcome. You are welcome here. It doesn't matter your hurt. It doesn't matter your pain. It doesn't matter what you are going through in life. This is a place where you will always be welcome. No matter what is going on, you're welcome with your doubts. You're welcome with your questions. You're welcome with your fears. You're welcome with your poor decisions. You're welcome with your pain. You're welcome with your hurt. You're welcome with your addictions. You are welcome here. You are even welcome if you have a mullet. <laughs> or if you're a Springbok supporter, you are welcome here. You are welcome. Jesus never turned people away. Never. He welcomed everybody. So what, what, what's our role then? Here's your role. What role do you play? I need you to welcome people. No one should be alone. No one should be sitting alone. No one should be sitting there without anyone talking. I need you to welcome 
people. I need you to welcome people in our community. I need you to welcome your friends. I need you to welcome your family, people that don't know Christ, people that don't have a church home, people that are hurting. I need you to welcome them, and I need you to bring them. Why? Because out in our community, there are people that are hurting, and their lives need to be changed, and Jesus is the only answer. And so we will be a church that welcomes everybody because Jesus is for everyone. We will welcome people, we will bring them in, we will see God move, we will see Him work, and we will see God absolutely change lives and transform a community. Why? Because we have a vision for a church where everyone is welcome. We also have a vision for a church where everybody is needed. Everybody is needed. First Corinthians 12, 4 to 6 says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works in all of them. You, you need to understand that you have gifts and you have talents that God has given you while you were still in your mama's womb. God put gifts and talents in your life. God put abilities in your world because he wants you to use them for him to see lives change. God has given you a gift. Given you a gift. The only reason we stop using our gift is because you think it's yours. The only reason you don't use your gift is because you think it's yours. The only reason you don't use your gift because you've been discouraged is because you think it's yours. The only reason why you only use your gift on people that you like is because you think it's yours. The only reason why you only use your gift in, in comfortable places or spaces that you feel comfortable in is because you think it's yours. Your gift is not yours. It's a gift from God to be used for God. And the Apostle Paul says you don't have that gift for you, you have it for others. If you have a teaching gift, it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to the body, the body of Christ. Every gift, if, if, you, have a, if you have a phenomenal singing voice, it's not your gift, it's the body of Christ's gift. It's for the body. If you play an instrument and you're not, not using it for the body, then you're, you think that it's your gift. If you're not serving somewhere in a team, it's because you think the gift is yours to choose when and how you want to use it. But the scripture also tells us this, is that you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. Your life is no longer your own, but God owns it. And so therefore, you're a dead man walking or a dead woman walking. It's not your life anymore, it's God's life. And God decides how that life is used and God decides how those gifts are used. And, and you don't get to decide because it's not your gift. It's his gift. That's why it's so important today that you have a look at the revived team wall and sign yourself up to something because you're meant to use your gift for the kingdom. There are three judgments that we face when we go to heaven. First one is, is do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I, I'm pretty sure I got that one ticked. I'm pretty good on that one. The second one is, is that you'll be judged on what did you do with what I gave you? In other words, what did you do with the gifts and the talents and the calling that I gave you? 
And then I personally believe, and we can argue this if you want to, and it doesn't really matter whether you agree with this or not, but I think we're judged as a generation because the Bible says this, it'll be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than it will be for your generation. And so I think there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's an avenue or there's a space there where God says, hey, look, what have you done? Have you stood on the shoulders of those that went before you? What have you done? And so there will be an ask from God at some stage, what did you do with what I gave you? You see, the teaching gift in me isn't for me, it's for the body. Yeah? And I know we live in an age of hyper-individualism and independence, but I want you to realize this morning as God is saying, hey, that's not yours, it's mine. God has given you talent, and if you're not using it, there are things in this church and there are things in the kingdom of God that are not getting done because you're not using your talent and the gift that God has given you to use in the context of a local church. Because God has given us the local church as the vehicle for him to come and redeem and save the world. That's what he decided in all of his wisdom. I, I think he would have been better if he just came and did it himself. But for some reason, God thought it would be a really cool idea that the way to see the world redeemed and saved would be to do it for you and I. Personally, I wouldn't do it for me. Every single act of kindness makes a difference. Every handshake makes a difference. Every smile makes a difference. Every tap on the shoulder makes a difference. Every car ride bringing someone to church makes a difference. Every dirty nappy changed makes a difference. We need to use our gift. First Corinthians 12, 21 to 22 says that I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. You know that, that, that um, a, a few years ago, I, I read an article about how um, somebody had, had lost um, cartilage in their ear um, due to an accident, and, and they were missing a piece of cartilage in their ear. And so what the doctors did is they, they took a little bit of the nose cartilage and they, they put it in the ear to replace that cartilage so that the person could have their hearing back. And, you know, it's amazing what doctors can do, and, and, and it's not doctors doing it, it's, it's God doing it because their gift is not theirs. Um, and the problem that they found, though, was about five to six years later, um, they realized that this cartilage that they put into the ear was trying to turn into a nose inside the person's ear. And so they had to have another operation where they went and filed it all back and they got it all. And then five years later, they had to do the same thing and they had to continue to do this. Why? Because the nose cartilage says, I'm a nose, not an ear. And what I see in the kingdom of God half the time is that we've got people that are noses wanting to be ears and people that are ears wanting to be eyes because they look at the stage and they think, oh, that's what significance is. This is not significance. Being up here is not significance. 
It's just the calling and the gifting that God has given the people on the stage. Does it make them better than you? Does it make them more special than you? Does it make me better than you? I'm still a sinner saved by grace just like everybody else. It's just this is what God has called me to do. And if I tried to be an ear when I'm a nose, it's going to end up not working out right. Just be who God called you to be. If you do that, you'll be fine. Let me put it this way. There's a, a great, there's a, a straight A student and there's a straight C student. How many people know I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a C kind of student? C's get degrees, yeah? Yeah, come on. Straight A students. Pfft. C's get degrees, right? Let me ask you this. If you're a straight A student that's constantly getting B pluses, or there's a straight C student who's constantly getting C pluses, who's fulfilling their potential the most? The C plus student. The B plus student is failing because they're actually an A student. And we can so often look at B plus people or A people and think, oh, I'm not as good as them. No, no, if you're a C plus person and you're doing C pluses, you're fulfilling your potential. You're doing what God called you to do. Stop trying to be an ear when God created you to be a nose. Oh, I need to come up with a better, because nose isn't that very attractive, eh? Um, what's something that's eyes are attractive, eh? Stop trying to be an ear when you're an eye. I, I preached a message a wee while ago where I said, you know, poor old ear always gets left out, right? Because nobody says that beauty is in the ear of the beholder. <laughs> yeah? These hills have ears. Nobody says that. <laughs> if you've ever gone out on a date with a guy and he said, you have really nice ears, run. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird, right? That's weird. You see, when God looks at Revive, he sees a body. He sees a family. And some of you are heads and some of you are hands some of you are feet, some of you are knees, some of you are butts. I get to say that he's stealing my daughter off me in about six weeks' time. Oh, by the way, Andre and Anna, they get married on Friday. They're on Switch. How cool is that? Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I want you to say, is, as much as it seems like I'm having a, having a go and you might be feeling sad right now, Here's the thing I want to say. We need you. We need you. This thing is too big. This thing is too big. Are you hearing me? This thing is too big. It's a sad statistic that 20% of the people do 80% of the work in church life. We need you. This community needs you. This nation needs you. The world needs you. God has given each and every one of you gifts. And I want to ask you before you leave this room today, would you make a commitment and go over to the Revive Team board there and make yourself a commitment and say, you know what, God, I'm going to serve. I'm going to do something. I'm going to serve. I'm going to use my gifts that you have given me because I want to make a difference in people's lives and I want to make a difference in the kingdom. Why? Because we'll be a church where every person is welcome. And we'll be a church where every single person is needed. Say it with me. Everyone is needed. And third but not last, as Maddie jumps on the keys, 
We have a vision for a church where everybody is changed. Changed. Where everybody is changed. You know what I think is one of the saddest statements someone could ever make about your life? Oh, they've always been that way. I've known them for 30 years and they're still the same person today as they were 30 years ago. That's a sad statement. Because the Bible says that we should always be going from glory to glory and strength to strength. We should be becoming more and more like Him. We should be constantly changing and growing all the time. Romans 10, 13 puts it this way, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved. When we come in on the weekends, we may enter with our baggage We may enter with our pain. We may enter with our own story. You may have hurt in your life or you may have addictions or you may have secrets, but here's the thing. You don't need to leave with all of those things. You can be changed. Like with the altar call this morning, you can have the attack of the enemy broke. You can leave free. What this verse is saying is that when you come in here, you can come as you are, but if you truly call on the name of the Lord, you will leave this place changed and different. You'll leave new. You'll leave refreshed. And all that can happen in one moment for you. When you come into the presence of God, truly come into the presence of God, You can't help but be changed. You can't truly have an encounter with God and not change. One Samuel ten six says this: The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will be changed into a different person. Changed into a different person. Not just for 10 people, not just for 20 people, not just for 30 people, but every single one of us, when we connect with God, when we pray, when we make a commitment that God, I will no longer be partially devoted follower of Christ, but I'll do whatever you ask. I'm gonna be a fully committed, devoted follower of Christ. When you, when you say that, you, you can't walk in and walk out the same. You can't have an encounter with God and not leave different, not leave with something different on the inside of you, not leave with God making a change. You just can't be around Jesus and not become more like Him. I heard somebody say this this week, and I, and I, and I hope you get it right, but he said, he said this, um, if you have a problem with me, but you don't have my phone number, then you don't know me well enough to have a problem with me. And then he went on and said this, and the same goes for God. If you have a problem with God, but you don't have a prayer life, then you're not close enough to have a problem with God. Come on. Everyone changes when they encounter the presence and the power 
of God. And when we do that as a church, the Spirit of God's power is going to come upon us. And I'm telling you right now, lives will be changed. Lives will be changed. Your life will be changed. Your friends' lives will be changed. Your family's lives will be changed. This entire community can be transformed and changed. And we will never be the same again if we encounter His presence. And the exciting thing is God wants to use us to do it. He's entrusting us to bring His presence and His power into the community. And we'll be a church that always welcomes people, everyone, no matter no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, we will be a place where everyone is welcome. We'll be a place where every single one of us is needed. And we're going to be a place where everybody changes. We're going to be a place that value His presence over performance. We're going to be a place that values the presence of God because in the presence of God is healing, is joy, is breakthrough, is salvation. That's who we're going to be. And if you're like, man, I don't know if I want to, that's not really my cup of tea. That's not really who I want to be. I don't really want to serve. I just want to attend. I don't, I don't really want to change that much either. I, you know, like I, I say this with as much love as I can muster towards you in my heart. If you're like, man, that's not really my cup of tea. You know what? That's okay. Maybe you need to find somewhere else to go. Because otherwise you're going to be disappointed because that's the church that we're going to become. That's the church that we're going to be. Where everyone serves. Because everyone will serve and we'll be a place where everyone has changed. Because when you come under the power of God, you can't help but be transformed and to be changed. You can't help. If you're not transformed when you come into the presence of God, it's because you're resisting it. And I would suggest that maybe there's pride in your life because the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. All of us have mess, right? All of us have got junk in our lives. All of, none of us are perfect. There's no one perfect, not one. Jesus is the only one that's ever been perfect. Don't, don't let your pride about what's going on in the world get in the way of God transforming you into everything that he created you to be. And so my question would be to you this morning is, would you give your life to that? Like they did in the early church where they gave their lives to it. Would you give your life to that? To be in a church where everyone is welcome? To be in a church where everyone is needed? to be a church where everyone has changed. Would you give your life to that? Would you deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Him daily to be a church where everyone is welcome, where everyone is needed, and everyone has changed? Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I don't want to embarrass anybody this morning or anything like that, but I, but I think you need to make a commitment in your heart to be somebody that you know what I'm going to be I'm going to be I want to be part of that I want to I want to make sure that everybody is welcome I want to make sure that everyone is needed I want to make sure that everyone has changed I'm going to, I'm going to sign up today and volunteer somewhere 
in the life of the church. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be here every week of this series because I, I wanna, I wanna hear what it is that God has for us. I'm gonna be somebody, somebody who gives their lives to seeing that kind of church. Not because we wanna be this church that everyone talks about, but we wanna be a church that sees a community saved and transformed. Because after all. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all people groups. Yeah, it's our job. It's to lead people to Christ, a place where everyone is welcome, where everyone is needed, and everyone's lives are changed. Why don't you close your eyes just for a moment?